Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Libra Lounge with Keisha podcast. This is episode number 355. We've been doing the damn thing. <laughs> 118. 118. Uh, I'm Keisha, your host, and there's producer James over there. Hello. Stop trying to sound like Noel. <laughs> I'm totally going to tell Tracy and Noel that you stole Noel's voice. Sorry. Are you serious right now? <laughs> What's wrong with you? I don't know. I'm so embarrassed. I'm so disappointed in you. I'm just glad it wasn't me because people try to blame black people for everything. But so whenever it's the white person that does or says something stupid, I'm always just elated. Um, well, before we get into the show, I want to remind you guys to make sure you're following us on Facebook and also on Instagram. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And please, 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 please leave us reviews. We need those reviews so that only the good ones. Uh, you can also find the show on TuneIn app, the Laughable app, and iHeartRadio. How do we get on Spotify? Because everyone's like, I'm on Spotify. I'm, I don't know what Spotify is. I got to work on Spotify. Spotify I, is like audio only. Oh, no. Y'all need to see all <laughs> of this. No, 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 no. Don't worry about Spotify. We don't need that. Y'all want to see this mug. Uh, <laughs> the money maker right here. No, don't, baby, don't worry about it. Just give us Spotify. Is good. We good doing it this way. If you are a friend of the Libra Lounge, you know what time it is. It is time for the gab. We know she has a really big mouth, which sounds kind of dirty, and that's probably true too. Let's gossip the gab with Keisha. All righty. So everyone, everyone, everyone was talking about the Mayweather Logan. No, what you? Them blonde boys. What are that? Logan and Jake. I don't know which one he fought. I don't remember. Was it? I think it Jake. I don't know. It might have been Jake. They look so much alike. They look like every fucking Florida douchebag on spring break. Pretty much so. <laughs> we did not. Surprisingly, we did not order the fight. Basically, because we knew how it was gonna end. <laughs> just it was just like, um, do we skip watching? the series finale of Pose tonight, or do we watch Mayweather destroy this white child like we know he's going to do? I'm like, I'm going to go ahead and just watch Pose. And <laughs> I'm like, and at 30 minutes after the fight, I mean, we're going to see all the highlights of it. And here's the thing that I don't like, and this is part of the reason why I really did not watch it. Because it was another one of those exhibitionist fights. Yeah. Nah, I want to see a motherfucker knock another motherfucker out. I, I want to hit him with a left and with a right. I don't want exhibition. No, like no. Rage in the cage shit. Yeah. Now, I will say that, you know, when Tyson, they had the exhibitionist fight, they had they had all of the fights before that were real fights. But it was just so, there was so much entertainment there. It was just, it just worked. But I was like, oh, I'm not about to watch this white child it was Logan, by the way. Okay. Here's my confusion with them. Do, do, do they want to be black? Do they think they're black? Do they date black women? What is it with them? Because they have the swag like they have grown up with black people. But I'm not quite that sure because they really, honest to God, they are out of my bracket of ages that I care about. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? I... I Focus a lot on celebra celebrities, number one, not YouTube stars. Um, Ooh, here comes the hate. I don't care. <laughs> what, that, hate on me all day. 
<laughs> this mug gives you guys enough to hate on, okay? Uh, no, I, I'm just kidding. I will never knock someone for being a YouTube star. Look, that little half Asian, half Spanish little boy that makes like $35 million a year for opening up boxes of toys? That's my motherfucking G right there. That's me. I want to be that kid. But anyway, back to the Paul brothers. I just don't get them at all. I, 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 I don't. I don't know what the fuck they're bringing to the table. That's it. I don't know what it, what it, what, what, what is you? What is y'all? And I'm saying is because I'm really confused at it. Uh, I don't get them. I, what I know about them is that they are shit talkers, which I have a, a, I have a, a high respect for shit talkers. But I don't have a high respect for shit talkers that I know they're going to get their asses kicked. <laughs> I, and that's just like, boy, why are you talking shit? Then, you know, they had that one press conference, and he, he, he flicked off Mayweather's hat. Look. There are certain rules in life. And one of them is, if you flick off a man's hat, be ready to fucking fight right then and there. You can't flick off a man's hat and say, I'm going to catch you in the ring. Nah, motherfucker, we finna to go right now. And Mayweather, they have to pull him back. Yeah, see, that's the thing. You're a real badass when there's 50 people at a press conference. Like, walk up to him in the street. Not going to happen. That. Mm -mm. Yeah, that's, I hate that yeah. press conference bullshit. Yeah. I mean, it's just like me talking shit to Tyson on my show, saying I can do this, I can do that. Do you old enough? But I know if I ever met Mike Tyson in person, I'm like, can you still have that tiger? <laughs> can I meet the tiger? I just want to pet your tiger. You know what I mean? It's like, you're, 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 they're, Social media thugs, in a way. Well, yeah. I mean, they're not funny enough to be comedians. No. They can't act well enough to be on TV. No. I mean, they they're cute boys. I mean, they're not tough enough to be jackass. Like, they're just, no. What the fuck are they? I, I don't know. I, I Do something. Show. Now, I will say that the one that was in the fight, Logan, right? Logan, yeah. He has been training really hard for the, the last several years to be a boxer. But it is just so weird to me that we live in the time where someone is, hasn't even had, like, their real first fight, and you're talking shit to the Giants? Yeah, that's, that's stupid. It's stupid to think that, you, you know, you've done nothing, you have no professional career, and you somehow get in the ring with Floyd Mayweather, and you talk like you shouldn't be you know, on your knees thinking the gods of boxing to yeah. have an opportunity to get your ass kicked by Floyd Mayweather. That's like me getting be like, Oprah, I'm going to beat your ass. You ain't about shit, Oprah. I'm about to take your show. I'm about to take your network. Oh, no, 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 no. No. Gail Oprah Winfrey, no. Just treat me like you treat Stedman. Like, just treat me like you treat Stedman on Wednesdays, and I would be happy with that. How about you treat me like Oprah treats Stedman? But that's not even about you. <laughs> it's about me and Oprah and Stedman, okay? Uh, so, yeah, so anyway, there was no knockouts. Mayweather won the fight, regardless of what Logan's brother is telling the world, because he's telling all the world that his brother won this match. Well, there was one part where Mayweather hit him in the face, mm -hmm. and he went, he almost went down. Mayweather had to hold him up. Like, if you watch it, you know how... There was a lot of hugging. Hug Dude, this one, yeah. he hugged him, and he literally had to, like, reinforce because he was out on his damn feet. But it's an exhibition. 
you can't actually let them fall, I guess. Yeah, Mayweather would probably. I would if I were Mayweather would be like, mm -hmm, motherfucker, talking all that <laughs> shit right now. Now you know all I gotta do is release one pinky and your ass gonna be on this motherfucking <laughs> ground. You know what I mean? Like it's just crazy. And, and I saw a lot of the memes. I saw a lot of the videos. For, shit, I thought they were Care Bears. All the hugging they were doing, it looked like hug a lot. <laughs> you know, it was just like, why are they? Is, is this Dancing with the Stars? Are they dancing? But. Oh, they boxing. I can't tell because that the white one keep holding on to the black one. I don't get it. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, last night, I got to watch The Conjuring 2. Thanks, HBO Max. Um, you you know how much? What? The two or three? Did I say Conjuring 2? Yeah, it's three, right? Oh, no, 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 no. It's like five. Five. Okay. Yeah. Devil made me do I mean, kind of four, because the one before this one wasn't that good. Uh, but this one was really good. I got to watch it at home, which I much prefer to watch these at the movie theater. But, I mean, it was a Monday night. Ooh. This franchise is going to be like the Fast and the Furious franchise. It is going to go on forever and ever and ever. And then the one, this one, The Devil Made Me Do It, it's based on a true life story. So... As you guys know, producer James is not a spiritual person. I don't know if he believes in good or evil, which is funny because he sleeps next to evil every single night. Um, so I would like to know his perspective on this. You know, we've got this kid that is possessed by a demon, which we find out is a curse. Spoiler alert! Is a curse. And he commits a crime. He kills a person. And then he has to stand trial. And he pleads innocent due to demonic possession you want to know my thoughts on that sure but make it quick okay uh ridiculous unless you also allow people that say i killed in the name of god to get off of crimes well so so this was one of the things is that they were afraid to be able to use that but that is exactly what they used they said how many times we swear in here to tell the truth we believe in a God in the courtroom. So therefore, why should we not be able to, this is what we truly believe, if there's a God, there has to be a devil. You know what I mean? So um, it was very, very interesting. And I do believe that people can be possessed. I mean, I dated my daughter's father, so I mean, I had to have been possessed or something, or I was like a marionette, you know, something like that. It was true possession. Um, it is a good movie. I honestly feel like I could watch like 10 more from this franchise. It's just good. And then knowing that, you know, Ed and Lorraine were real people, this is what they really did. I wish they were alive because I don't want to ask people, how much did y'all charge? Like, um, to perform an exorcism, I'm going to need you to cash at me $1.5 million uh, 24 hours prior to that. You know, how did they get paid? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I know they probably wrote books and I know they did seminars and things like that, but I don't, how do you charge? Uh, by the hour, maybe by the demon. But what number do you attach to? Okay. Is it okay? So that's a lower level demon. So you can have one of our specials over here. These are our packages. So that would be package number five. And that one is $25.25 per hour. That's the full Beelzebub, the platinum. Yeah, okay. That one is a well-known demon. Okay, so that's going to be like package, like tier two. So that's going to be... Why are you doing that voice? It's an infomercial voice. Okay. Did it not? What the fuck it was. Is it not coming across as an infomercial? It's coming across as a retarded. 
Okay, like I said, it's coming across like an infomercial. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is an interesting thing. So, yeah, I'm actually going to have to go home and Google that. I'm not going to be able to rest for the rest of the day. What's the be business model for being an exorcist? It really is. I, I have to know. Like, and then how do you market yourself? Do you, do, like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm intrigued now. I'm thinking just like Beetlejuice did in the movie. Mm -hmm. You see Beetlejuice? Mm-hmm. So, uh, like the whole little commercial, you know, mm -hmm, I'll get rid of the, mm -hmm, get rid of the mm -hmm. living or get rid of the dead. Yeah, I mean, be just, awesome. yeah, because here's the thing. Before the first Conjuring, I'd never heard of Ed and Lorraine. You know what I mean? So, right. it's like, I really want to know how did they, um, there has to be more to it. They had to be getting a steady income of, I mean, because people don't just get possessed every day, do well, they? If you're running a business, they do. I don't even know what that means. I'm just saying. If your business is based on exorcism, oh yeah, you're, yeah, you're you know you're gonna look at a lot of people like they need an exorcism. Right. I want like if anyone who's listening to the show, if you happen to know a person who performs exorcisms, um, but I don't need a priest. I've I've, I've had I went to Catholic school. I've had enough priests. But can you like give them my number so I can talk to them and possibly have them on the show? Really, they don't even have to be on the show. I just want to talk to them. I want to know if I can be like the Asian boy in the Conjury movies who just records the exorcisms <laughs> and goes and gets some food and stuff. Like, this kid is so cute, but he has like maybe five lines. And throughout all of the franchise that he's been in, he's had like five speaking lines. Uh, anyway, so yes, the Conjury, I would, out of four stars, I would give it a three. I think the first one was a four. So this one is like a three, three and a half. So most definitely check it out. Um, here's something that I'm almost positive everyone heard about. Last week, there was a video that went viral of a teenage girl running to the rescue of her dogs from a mama bear, like literally a real bear, all right? Here's what's really funny about it. The amount of people that sent me the video because <laughs> they know that I'm a crazy pet owner, okay? So if you haven't seen the video, maybe producer James can do what producers do and actually, like, put the video up. Because he almost got fired earlier today uh, from me. Okay, we'll play it now. Okay, awesome. Basically, there's a mama bear and her cubs that are... I don't know whether they had to be like in California or Arizona because the, the, it wasn't like a fence like we have here in Texas. It looked concrete-ish. It was, I mean, it was like a privacy fence. Okay, and so the mom and the babies were walking along it, but then the dogs, and these were, of course, they were little dogs because little dogs are thugs. They all come running, and the, the bear, she kind of swipes at them because, you know, if you even look at a mama bear's cubs, she gonna kill you. I mean, you could just look their direction and she will kill you. Fuck, this girl comes out and she pushed the hell out of that mama bear. She pushed her off the fence. She damn near like shoulder tackled her. Yes. So everyone who saw this, because I didn't just see it, people sent it to me like, oh my God. I'm like, oh my God. I told my brother, say, hell yeah, I would've did that. I would've punched that bitch too. Like, you don't fuck with my animals? And I'm going to take your kids. Come on, babies. I will take her husband. I'm y'all's real mama. Come on, come on, come on. So everyone laughs at it because even my mom, she goes, no one, we're like, who does that? She goes, well, besides you and that girl. 
But <laughs> you have to protect your your animals. For one thing, her animals were trying to protect her house because they were, you know, there's an intruder alert, and they went up there and did the damn thing. They almost got their asses kicked with one swipe. With one swipe, she could have killed all of them, and it was like four of them, I want to say. But I would have done the same exact thing. It's just when that protective instinct takes over, you just don't think about it. Yeah, like, for example, James is not even allowed to point at our animals. No, absolutely not. You will, I'll be damned if I'm about to let you point at my children. That's not going to happen at all. Because to me, he's trying to intimidate them with his large size. No, you don't, you don't do that. Uh, I'm trying to think, what do you, what, how far do you think I would go in regards to our, our pits? How far would you go? Yeah, like, you honestly, would, do you think. You would jump in front of a car. Yeah. I mean, if. If sushi was about to get hit, yes. you would either run into the car yes. or you would, like, get in front of it. I've done that before. Yeah. <laughs> I've had so. to do it before. And then you know me. I wound up cussing out the person. You always get my fucking dog. I know he don't have on a leash, but we're not talking about leash protocols. You every almost time, hit my baby. Every time I see a movie where, like, somebody has to, like, protect their child with their body from, like, lava or something. Yeah. That's you. You would You would hold that little dog and, like, protect him from the lava or the shock wave or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah, I mean, throughout our relationship, producer James will jokingly say, if you had to choose me or the dogs, who would you choose? I'm like, you don't, don't ask questions you that you know to. the answer is going to make you be suicidal. That is not a smart thing to do. You are only pressuring yourself and you're making yourself unhappy because you know what the answer is going to be. It's going to be my dogs. And this is my theory, and I had to explain it to him. You, as a human white male are able to go out into the world without me and be fine. My half black fur babies, they need me. They need me. They need me to eat. They need me for water. They need me for shelter. They need me for love. They need me to teach them how it is to be a strong, independent, half black dog and cats. By relying on you for everything? Yes. Okay, that's about yes. right. Yes. Like, no one, they cannot yell. It, it doesn't matter what the animals do. And my animals are bad. Yes. I can't even deny it. I used to deny it a lot. But now that I'm older and more tired, they are fucking bad. But they're so cute. They're so, they're, I love them so much. Yes, I would fucking knock over a bear, a panther, a hippo. No, not no hippo. I mean, like, look. You don't come live with us. We're about to be a whole, this is about to be a sanctuary. We needed you. We've been waiting for you. I would do anything to help save them. You would literally hit a bear with a wolf <laughs> to save them. Yes, I would. <laughs> and then tell Peter, come at me, bro. You know? <laughs> but yeah, you know, and people, people don't understand the relationship that others, people like me, I'm an animal person. I... I can't even imagine the world or my house without animals. I, when I see people that don't have animals, I'm like, were you abused as a child? Why do you, why have you not seek the love and affection and companionship of a dog? Like to me, I look more, I judge a person more who doesn't have animals than I would a person who says they don't want kids. I'm like, I don't blame you right there. Them motherfuckers crumb snatchers. They take all your money, then they leave. Animals are there forever. Right, Producer James? 
That's true. All right. So when we get back from this break, I'm going to have comedian Anthony Genot. I don't know. Whenever we talk to him, we'll have him pronounce it because I have said it like five different ways, and I'm sure all five ways are wrong. So we will be right back. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Libra Lounge with Keisha. I have a very special guest here with me today. Actually, he's not here here with me. He's actually in the UK right now, where it's 8 p.m.? Yes. Yep, 8 p.m. 8 p.m. His name is Anthony, and I'm going to try to pronounce your last name correctly. Is it Janot? <laughs> uh, close. You know, uh, the T is silent. It's a uh, French thing. Oh, uh, it's Marisha, actually. I was Janot. Okay, yeah. let me channel my inner Marie Antoinette and see if I can say it right again. Anthony Janot. Is that right? There you go. That's the one. All right, all right. Okay, so Anthony is a brilliant comedian, and uh, producer James is extremely excited to have you because before he has a chance to try to plug himself, I'll go ahead and tell you, he used to do stand-up comedy professionally. So... <laughs> He did. Uh, he, I mean, I, I gave you your props, James. I gave you your props. Does that count as props? Yeah. Okay. It's all the props you got. <laughs> it's all the prop you're about to get right now. Yeah, fair enough. All right, so Anthony, all right. Tell us a little bit about you. Give us a little bit about your background. Um, so I guess I Australian originally, if people can't tell, um, which it depends. It varies about how much people place that. Uh, UK last five years. I think getting into comedy was kind of like the the kind of story a lot of people have is that like I found my parents' comedy uh, tapes and VCRs around the house when I was a kid, and I was like mesmerized by it. It was like magic. It was like, oh, you can just do say that stuff that I kind of say to my friends right. and people will sit there and listen and pay you for it. And like, pay you yeah. for it. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, yeah, it was kind of like magic to me. And so then I, uh, I, I went to a lot of gigs and like watched and, and, and never really had the courage to try it myself. Mm. And like most people's story of like what finally convinced them is that they saw somebody who was so good that they were like, oh, that's so good. I have to find it like that. Right. Mine was the exact opposite. Like, I was going to all these gigs, and eventually I saw somebody that was so bad that I was like, <laughs> man, if they get to do it, I sure as hell do as well. <laughs> I know I'm not that damn bad. So, you know what? I think I yeah, can do this. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and uh, you know, 10 years later, I haven't looked back. Okay, so before we go on anymore, this was a discussion before the show because my husband knew I was going to do it. All right. I got two questions for you. One, yeah. you're in the UK. Do you know yeah. how I can get in touch with Harry now? With Harry? Yeah. No, not Prince Harry. Harry Potter. Harry mm. Potter. That's the one I want to know. Do you know where he lives? <laughs> do you have his address? Do you, do you know one of his cousins or something like that? Fuck a girl up. So, so what I what I can tell you is uh, there is a, a pole at King's Cross Station uh -huh. that is uh, platform nine and three quarters, Woo! and there are people who line up 
for hours to take a photo with that pole. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that would I mean, be that's me. a good place to start. Maybe <laughs> it, it is, it is, it's, it's around about the time that kids go back to school um, over here. So he might be jumping on the train. You don't know. Okay. So if I come, can I stay with you for a couple of days? Is that cool? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know if you've heard much about London Flats, but there's not much spare room, but you know. That, that's what, that's what my husband told me. Okay, so second, you were born in Australia, right? Yeah, first 30 years. Uh, so is there any way that you could give me a, a baby kangaroo? Just, you know, you got the hookup? Do, do you, uh, the question I asked before that is, do you own a dog? Because <laughs> kangaroos don't like dogs. Oh, no, no, no. Kangaroos, kangaroos are <laughs> notorious dog killers. Oh, what? No. <laughs> I've never heard yeah, that before. They, they, they see them as like competition for food and stuff and they try and drown them. Oh, that's okay. In my house, we have all mortal enemies. We've got cats, we've got dogs, hamsters, everybody gets along. We even have a white man that lives in our house. So we all get along. Like, he, the kangaroo will be fine. You just, we'll talk about it after the show, and I'll give you my address so you can ship them. But no, uh, no chlamydia koala. Oh, no, yeah. And if you can't get a kangaroo, no. send me a koala, but not the ones with chlamydia, gonorrhea, whatever it is that they have. Uh, I, 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 I'm Fortunately, I think that means you're just not going to have a <laughs> Okay, so let me ask you. Okay, so as a child, that's when you started to discover comedy. But with that, did that and your personality get you into trouble as a kid? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I, um, I, I think it is inevitable in that, like, it was inevitable in that I, I think I, I had a really good relationship with my parents, right? So I, I, I felt like I got along with adults, which meant that I was kind of that annoying kid who thought I could reason with adults. Yeah. <laughs> um, and being, like, bored in class, you'd go, oh, I can make that joke, and then the teacher's going to get it. And then as an adult, it's like, oh, no, you're just disrupting it for everybody else, making their damn job harder. But I thought, I mean, I was entertaining people. I just didn't, you know, you don't know. <laughs> yeah, teachers call that disrupting my damn class and <laughs> the class <Yeah>. clown. <laughs> um, yeah. And come to think of it, right, like being a teacher now, looking back, like trying to teach somebody how long division while there's an actual comedian it's, it's not a great competition yeah yeah your whole class probably failed because of you because they were paying more attention to you than what the teacher and the chalkboard were doing up front um do you remember your first gig yeah i still i still do i i it was uh, a local radio station were running uh kind of youth entry to stand up kind of competition mm -hmm. and it's it's a notoriously common first gig story in that it went really really well surprisingly well mm -hmm. and so i got off stage and i'm like Somebody call the agent, yeah. book VO2, <laughs> book Madison Square Garden. I'm ready. <laughs> um, and, and it is one of those things where I think combination of 
the energy and the nervousness mm -hmm. and having low standards at the time because you've never done this before. So mm -hmm. any laugh is just like, oh, my God, they laugh. Right, right. Um, Even though it was your very, parents that were doing all the laughing, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> very, very quickly found out that this is not the way comedy goes on a night, yeah. night basis when you're starting out. Yeah. And, you know, and I will, I, I will say this, that, um, you know, a lot of people, they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so funny, you know. And, and here's the thing. I think I'm a funny person, but I am not a stand-up comedian. And I tell people all the time, they're like, oh, I could be a stand-up comedian. I'm like, you have no fucking idea what you talk about, child. No, you cannot. <laughs> like, it is a different beast uh, to go to go up there. Um, I mean, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, producer James will vouch for this, but it is one of as as somebody who's performing nightly, it is one of those weird Schadenfreude moments where somebody who is quite clearly naturally the funny person in right. that group mm -hmm. thinks that they can just get on stage nope. and do that nope. and watching them realize oh there's work that goes into yeah. this yeah it's like it's a nice little rewarding moment where it's like it's not as easy as we make it look sucker yeah and then they have that look in their eye and they're kind of like i done fucked up now <laughs> they, they're they're on stage yeah. and they realize yeah. ooh. <laughs> yeah the key is whenever the, the they go yeah, the key is when you see the flop sweat on the brow, and all of a yeah. sudden they go, uh, what else? Uh, what are y'all doing? <laughs> no, right? no. Even, even better than that is when they go, how long do I have left? And it's, <laughs> it's been two minutes because people underestimate how long five minutes is it's when nobody's talking back. <laughs> yes, it is. Like, I'd be like, uh, bitch, you only been on stage 30 seconds. Uh, you already talking about quitting? Yeah. yeah um, I remember, you know, when James was doing comedy, going to some of the comedy shows, and there's nothing more uncomfortable than watching someone up there bombing. And you're like, ooh. Mm. my favorite part. Yeah. It is. <laughs> it, it, as a comedian, right, I, I think you have to learn to enjoy it. Because I, when I first started, I did really struggle with that. Because you get all of the secondhand embarrassment right. um, of, like, imagining what it would feel like to be you. And you don't need to do that. When you're learning how to do comedy, you're going to fail enough. You don't have to imagine more of them. Right. That's not fair. <laughs> but you do, you do have to meet enough people and realize that it happens and and people bombing fall into one of two categories they're good comedians who will learn from it and you kind of share that bonding and that's kind of fun or they're people who are terrible listeners who aren't learning and at that point oh that is the most fun because you are signing yourself up to embarrass yourself like this night after night yep. and you're never changing and it's like oh this is your life now. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think that people realize how much energy you get from your audience and how important it is to be able to read your room uh, when you're listening to me acting like I'm a stand-up comedian giving advice and shit. <laughs> um, so let me ask you, making people laugh is by far one of the yep. hardest things to do. And, and some people don't realize that. It's like, no, it's easy to make someone cry. I mean, you could just call them fat and they'll cry or call them <laughs> ugly and they'll cry. Call them unsuccessful and they'll cry. But making a person laugh is really hard. So what is the process when you're sitting down coming up with your set? 
good question. I, I actually think making people laugh, like conversationally, we're making each other laugh. It, it's right. easy, it's natural. I think actually that bit's easy. What is hard is when you tell everybody that they have to be silent and look at you and put a spotlight on. Yeah. And then laughter is usually about surprising people, right? We're surprising mm-hmm. each other, we laugh. I, I've just told you I'm about to try and make you laugh. Now right. I'm going to try and surprise you. Like that, that's the dumb thing. Um, the process, I think everybody learns how to be funny a different way. And the best thing is to channel the things that excite you, the things that make you find funny right. and, and figure out the way to get that to stage as close to the way it is in your head. And what that meant for me, which is, I mean, a lot of my friends in comedy, this gives them panic attacks, but I can't write my jokes down because then when I write them, they sound like me writing and not me mm-hmm. talking and a, a bit over-intellectualized. Right. So for me, <laughs> what I tend to do is I, I have an idea that I go, oh, that's, I think that's roughly funny, that's roughly interesting. Mm-hmm. And then I just book a spot and I try and figure out what the joke is on stage. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I get that. I get that. I remember watching James, um, you know, write things down. He's very analytical. So he would, like, have it, like, you know, A, joke one is, you know what I mean? And then B, joke two is, and, you know, and that's hard because then you get in front of your audience and you're like, oh, my God, this is a room full of old Jewish people and all of my jokes are about, are about old Jewish people. And you're like, am I going to offend them? What, you know, what am I, you know, what am I going to do? Well, one of the things that was really important for me was learning, A, how to write a joke and then how to perform it organically, Mm -hmm. but also learning how to bomb and having my bomb material, you know, Mm -hmm. because nothing is better than if you're bombing, calling it out, talking about how much of an asshole, no talent loser you are and do it in a funny way. Yeah. So people just kind of, you know, kind of sail into the crash site with you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is, this is the thing that I think a lot of people, um, who don't go to comedy night in, night out, don't maybe appreciate, is how much you never stop telling terrible jokes that suck and you hate and you say them and you go, why did I ever say that? I wish that I didn't inflict that piece of turd on the world. Right. You never stop doing that. <laughs> but what you do learn is a set of skills to recover from that so that by the time you've finished thinking that, the audience is already like, oh, yeah, the next thing's funny, cool. Yeah. And then you can get off stage and hate that later, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, James used to always, you know, when he was bombing, he'd be like, my girlfriend's black. So, yeah. <laughs> I'd suffer enough. I would enough. never do that. That's <laughs> not kidding. a thing I said. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more Anthony Jeannot, because it's French. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Libra Lounge with Keisha. I've got Anthony Jeannot coming all the way from the UK to be on the Libra Lounge with Keisha show. All I'm saying, I'm just getting closer and closer to that royal palace. That's all I'm saying. Uh, So, Anthony, let me ask you, what made you decide to do a podcast? And your podcast name is Highbrow Drivel which I had to get uh, a white yeah. person to tell me what drivel meant because I didn't know what it 
with Matt. <laughs> so I have to ask James. I'm like, James, what, a, what a, is a dribble? What dribble? And he explained it to me. So, okay, what made you say, hey, I'm going to do a podcast? And how did you come up with the name? Um, so I guess the, the unexciting answer is that it's obviously been illegal to do comedy indirectly for the last 12 months, right? Yes. Comedy depends on an audience being in a room yes. together. That's yes. not been possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so needed an outlet. Podcasting seemed like, like I, I, I enjoy podcasts, so let's have a crack at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the concept came second, which was I wanted to interview experts and scientists and people much smarter than me mm-hmm. with the help of my dumbass comedy friends and mm-hmm. kind of try and see if we can balance <laughs> each other out a bit. Right. Um, and so then the name kind of just had to be reflective of that, right? It, it, it had to uh, reflect that what I'm trying to do is get some really smart people, some of the smartest people on the world, mm-hmm. and in my opinion, some of the dumbest people on the world, and put them together, and, and there you go. <laughs> if you're ever looking for a co-host who's one of the dumbest people in the world, producer James is always available. What? <laughs> but also, co-hosts are always comedians, so producer James... <laughs> Look, if, okay, uh, right now we're going to come to an agreement. We're going to do it old school. We're not going to sign paperwork. We're going to high five virtually. If producer James comes on your podcast and all, for some odd reason, y'all blow up. Everyone, you know, wants y'all to come do their shows. They want you to come entertain them. Please remember y'all owe me 55% of whatever y'all, whatever y'all get. Cause I brought this all together. You can tell she's talked to comedy agents in the past with 55%. She already gets 99% of my damn life. What else you want? I'd rather have the money than your life. <laughs> so, Anthony, what makes you laugh? I think, I just, I really love hearing people voice things that I've thought but haven't realized I thought. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. You know when someone says like, blah, 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 and you go, oh, I didn't know that I think that, but there it is. Yeah. That, for me, that is what I laugh at without fail. Um, yeah. So what made you decide that you wanted to have, I mean, because you have scientists, physicists, and some other occupations that I can't pronounce the names. What made you go that direction to have them on your show than just have it all be just comedians and, you know, people on the comedy scene? Good question. I think, essentially, I'm, I'm a big fan of comedy podcasts, and there are a lot of comedy podcasts that are just people doing what we're doing, but comedians doing what we're doing, chatting, lot fun, funny. Right. I love that. I love listening to it. I didn't want to compete with it. If I'm honest, I didn't want to compete with you. <laughs> you've got this game unlocked, right? I don't want to be your competition. That's funny. <laughs> so I, 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 I thought, um, you know, what's an angle that I, I haven't seen necessarily done well? And, and it was this. I haven't really seen... I, I've seen people try and do quirky science. Right. But this is like comedians, right? This yeah. isn't, this isn't uh, arty. It's, yeah, so that, that's why. That's smart, though, because especially in the world that we live in now, people see someone else do something successfully, 
And in their head, they're like, I'm going to do exactly what it is that they're doing. I'm like, that's so dumb. You know, I, I you explain that. I'm going to try to sound like um, I'm sophisticated and like I know people that are, you know, British. Uh, you explain that perfectly. Is that what the Brits say, stuff like that? Lots of people say perfectly. <laughs> oh, cheerio. Is that an appropriate time to say cheerio? Uh, sure. I mean, it's only slightly offensive. It's about as offensive as offering you a piece of watermelon. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, you know I don't like watermelon. Give me some chicken. <laughs> so let me ask you, if you could work with any three comedians, who would they be and why? Okay, that's a, that's a hard one. I will say... I'm not available. I'm not available. <laughs> Together. You're kicked off the list. Okay, okay. Wait, right, you can mark that off on your bucket list. I was on the Libra Lounge with Keisha. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say Chappelle, yeah. Bo Burnham, and Eddie Murphy. They're my three. That is like comedy gold right there. Um, you know, and I'm going to ask you this. So, with you being, you were born in Australia, and you live in the UK, how are you able to, when you perform, to, able to kind of translate or to people like me, Americans, who's never been out of the country, and I, I have a type of funny that I like, which caused issues in the beginning of our relationship, me and James, because I didn't like the comedy that he did. I went to his shows to see other people perform, but I'm like, baby, I'm, I'm, I'm here for you. Now, but then I had a sign with another guy's name on it. You no, know? I'll tell you what she did. <laughs> she went to a show, and uh, I was opening. A friend of mine was featuring. And uh, at, after the show, she had me walk over to my friend and say, can you buy one of his CDs for me? I made him buy a DVD of the other guy's comedy. Yeah, made me do it personally, like an yeah. asshole. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm just trying to support small businesses. You know what I mean? <laughs> he had his DVDs fucking funny. So well, how are you able to do that? Like, because I think that we're so different from you guys, and I'm sure you guys think that, you know, we're so different from y'all. So how are you able to come up with a routine that is relatable to people everywhere? I think there's a, there's a couple of bits with that. One is that like from Australia to the UK was actually quite easy. I think we've got a pretty similar sense of humour mm -hmm. which is a consequence of uh, them being our, our colonial ancestors. They come to over our country, gave us their puny <laughs> sense of humour, right? right. <laughs> um, so that, that's part of it. Um, but then in terms of like cross-cultural differences more broadly, like I've done gigs in, in, in Sweden. Is, that was the weirdest one is that because I was headlining and they didn't tell me, because I clearly only speak English uh -huh. and uh, booked the gig in English. They didn't tell me that the whole rest of the gig was going to be in Swedish, right? Oh, so I rocked shit. up and I'm backstage. <laughs> like I've got to learn Swedish real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, before I got on stage, not a word of English was said. And I thought when they introduced me, at least the MC would be like, okay, I'm going to switch gears and get the 
audience used to hearing English before I introduced him? The, the MC, blah, 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 blah. Anthony, you know, and I'm like, he didn't just introduce me in Swedish and now I'm about to get up there and speak English. I don't know what the hell he said about me. He could have said, right? and now this bloody English speaking worker yes. has come here. <laughs> Not to, hasn't learned the language. Like, um, um, oh my god! <laughs> At least it's Sweden. Like they don't that start was, any wars. Pretty... Yeah, <laughs> that's true. It's a, it's a neutral. Um, <laughs> yeah, at least they are neutral. Yeah. Although in, in, in that in that sense, uh, Australia luckily too insignificant for people to hate. So, you know, it's not like people around the world are like, ah, the damn Aussies. Right. Um, but. <laughs> so what do you think about I, guys I like I think uh, in terms of like. Oh, no, go, go. I was going to say, so what do you think about guys like uh, uh, Jim Jeffries, for example? Is that, is he, is he a good representation of, of Australian comedy or is he kind of mainstreamed it up too much? No, I think. I think he's the best and worst in Australian comedy, right? Like, he has some bits. <laughs> he has some bits that are overwhelmingly funny and switched on and human and great. Mm -hmm. And he has some bits that are like, is it 1980s? Because I didn't know you were still allowed to say that. <laughs> Australian comedy, there you go. That has to be the most awkward thing, knowing that you are about to go knowing, but only knowing once you were there, that you were about to perform a stand-up routine in front of people that don't speak the language. Like, how did you do that? So they do, that's the thing. They're like 98% English literate. Okay. It's just that I, nobody, like, so they are bilingual, right? I, I, I learned this after. 98% of the Swedish population fluent in English okay. um, can speak it pretty much as well as, as um, anyone, better than most Australians, if okay. I'm honest. Um, so, so it wasn't, in the end, it wasn't that they couldn't speak the language. It was more just, I didn't know that, you know? So right. getting on stage, like, and also, like, one of the things, as you said, one of the things you try and do when you're backstage is respond to what the audiences are laughing at. Right. So if, they're, if they're going for all the blue sex stuff, I'll, I'll put that stuff in. Or if they're going for this, obviously, if I, I can't speak the language. I've got no, no idea. idea what these guys are into. Right? Ooh. There's no um, context so, whatsoever. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I would have yeah. been up and, there and I would have went, I know so Heidi Klum. <laughs> <laughs> you would have got up and done like the Swedish I shit. Mean, from Sesame Street. It would have been. That is that is a high stakes opening. <laughs> Risky maneuver. Right? <laughs> yeah. All men on the first joke. Right. <laughs> um <laughs> So what is this? I, I have to ask. So I, I, I think oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no. So one of the things in the in the states that's been really fun to make fun of is politics, of course, with mm. Donald Trump. So, I mean, you guys kind of have your your Boris Johnson Trump ish kind. Is it is politics still something they just want to tear apart in comedy? Yes, I think I think so. I, I'm going to say very selfishly from an economic perspective. 
I think political jokes are, are poor money makers because politics move so fast and the kids have mm-hmm. memes, right? Yes. I don't want to be competing with memes every yep. day. Like, I want to write a joke. I want to write a joke today, and if it's good, I can tell it next year. Yeah. I don't want to write a joke today, and tomorrow everybody's seeing six memes that are variations on the joke yeah. I just wrote. No. Yeah. So, um, politics, I, I'm too lazy to be a political comedian. And I'm too dumb to be one. <laughs> like, I'm like, I know Obama and him and uh, Joe, and yeah, I would not be good. So, let me ask you, are you married? Yes. Yes, I am. Okay, so when you were part of the dating scene, how does how do you use your comedy to help you with dating? I think there are. I don't think I've ever been strategic. I'm not some kind of sicko <laughs> who's out there like. <laughs> yeah. How do I make them laugh at the bed? <laughs> yeah, that bitch laughed at my joke. I'm about to fuck on the first date. <laughs> <laughs> you owes me one sex for jokes told. Uh, exactly. <laughs> no. Bitch, you owe me a blowjob. You laughed twice <laughs> at that joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think, I, I, I do think, uh, as you mentioned, again, listening is a huge part of being a good comic. And I think yeah. uh, one of the joys of being a man on the dating scene is the bar is real low. So just listening sets you apart. It does. You're and right, though. Comic, you got to learn to listen. Yeah, it's true. Um, so that's the first one. And then, and then laughing makes people feel comfortable. And again, it does. as a dude, if you listen and somebody feels comfortable, I mean, I think most dates end in a hard no from both parties. But if you listen and make someone comfortable, women are, women are like, oh, well, he didn't creep me out and he listened and I laughed. May as well give this guy another chance. And you only need that twice and then you're, you're, you're at the three date rule. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there's something to be said about, uh, you know, the kind, of, the kind of women that tend to groupie around comedy. So, you know, like Maroon 5 is going to have some tins in their stable. You, you know, the one-nighter in the middle of nowhere Probably not the same quality of opportunity. <laughs> I mean, particularly with the kind of backwater, like it, it, it doesn't even have to be quality of groupie. You're not performing in the same towns, right? Like, yeah. a comic goes on tour, they're not, they're not playing NYC and London, they're touring Newcastle yeah. and Rhode Island. <laughs> And here's the thing, bitches love a man that can make us laugh. You know what I mean? If you make me laugh, you feed me, and you give me weed, my eggs just start dropping. I'm ready. I'm fertile. Let's go. Let's make, we're going to have some funny-ass babies is what I'm thinking in my head. So, uh, yes, I, I think that being able to be funny is one of the greatest things when you're dating. Uh, because if you, you're right, if you can make a person laugh, they do, their guard comes down, you know what I mean? And for dating, the panties come off. So it's, yeah, there's a lot of power and magic in being funny. I'm just saying. I'm funny and cute, so I've got it all. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. So, Anthony, um, let our audience know 
how they can find you on social media, how they can listen to your show. And I would say if you have any upcoming gigs, but for us here in the U.S., we probably, you know, can't get there. Uh, but, yeah, let us know how we can stalk you and all that good stuff. So, so uh, Instagram at Anthony Genoa, Twitter at Anthony Genoa. Boring handles, people will find them. Um, my podcast is Highbrow Drivel. Listen to it anywhere that has podcasts, whatever you're listening to on now. Um, you can also go to www.highbrowdribble.com. And I have a stand-up album that's on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, all of that stuff. And that's, again, very boring so people can find it. Anthony Janot's stand-up comedy album. It's Janot and not Janot. So... I have one last really, really important question to ask you, okay? When I learned that you were from Australia, I can't help it. I got to do it. Can you please say shrimp on a Barbie? Ugh. <laughs> yeah, although I will, I will point out that uh, we don't call them that. They're prawns. <laughs> Y'all don't even That's call them shrimp. It's a misremembering. We don't call them shrimp, they're prawns. <laughs> okay, can, can you say prawns on a Barbie? It just doesn't sound as magical. Chuck another prawn on the Barbie. Because <laughs> people are like, a what on the Barbie? On the Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anthony, we enjoyed having you. If you're ever in the States, look us up. We'll go out to dinner and all that stuff. And I'm still counting on you to find out how I can get my letter so I can go to Hogwarts. I'm just saying. Uh, that's... I, I, I need you to do I'm that. I'm telling you, King's Cross Station. Hang around there. Okay. <laughs> I think I think they made it pretty clear there are no black wizards at Hogwarts. There was one. Any. There was one. Okay. Well, you gotta have quotas. Yeah. I'm look. I'll be a I'll be a token witch. No problem. <laughs> All right, Anthony. We totally enjoyed having you. Anytime you want to be back on the show, let us know. And if you need a a dumb person on your show. Call him. Call him. Producer James. Producer James. All right. So thank you so much, Anthony. Have a good one. I want to say thank you to Anthony Jeannot. Like, I would, like, I want to kind of change my name to Jeannot. Or maybe, like, my middle name, change it to Jeannot. That sounds so sophisticated and, like, exotic. I should have married somebody with the last name Jeannot. I like that. I like that last name. But what did I do? I married someone with the last name Owens. And it's not even the Owens sausage family. I, I married, like, Galveston County Owenses. <laughs> but you get that Owens sausage every now and then. <laughs> uh, yeah. Once a year, just like I do taxes once a year. Everybody bill comes due. Uh, anyway, yes, I want to make sure you guys check out Anthony's podcast. It is called High Brow Drivel. I'm glad he explains to us what drivel means. Uh, and, yeah, I enjoyed having him on the show. want to thank him again. Make sure you, again, again. I said again. It's British. <laughs> That's how the Brits say it. Um, anyway, we hope you guys have a great rest of the week, and we'll see you next time. It's the Nibelung. The Nibelung.